Welcome to the podcast of Vineyard Church Cardiff. We are a church that is learning to live like Jesus for the restoration of our city and the renewal of our nation. During the coronavirus outbreak, we have both online and in-person gatherings across all of our sites in and around Cardiff. So wherever you feel comfortable at the moment, you can engage with church. You can find all of the details you'll need on our website, vineyardcardiff.org Sundays. Here's this week's talk from our senior pastor, James Rankin. Hi, welcome to what I'm calling the Rankin Arctic today because it's so freezing in my house that I have had to wear a hat. I wanted to put a coat and shoes on as well, but I wasn't sure I'd get away with it. I wonder what it's like in your house. Do you have heating wars? So often there's one person in your house that would want the heating really low and somebody's like, oh, just stick the heating on. Well, um, I'm not telling you what happens in our house, but um, I like it warm. Let's put it like that. Anyway, really excited to be speaking today about Come and See What God Has Done. It's our new series that we're starting during this Christmas time. And I've entitled today Certainty in a Time of Uncertainty. So this Christmas season is upon us and December's come roaring in and it's Christmas, but not as we know it. Everything's just a bit different, a bit more complicated to normal. And in this year, 2020, one of turbulence and uncertainty, we have to stop and for a moment just be like, well, what is it that we're celebrating? It even feels like a bit of a strange word to use right now. Celebration. Well, we're going to celebrate. And you're like, oh, it feels like a bit of a jar. Celebration has got images of hope and joy and peace and laughter and all of these things. And, And it kind of feels at odds with the situation that we find ourselves in right now. For many of us, one of restriction. And I think at this Christmas time, people are asking deeper questions than they would normally be. Often it's the rush, it's the rush, it's the grind, it's got to get everything ready. And there's a degree of that, but it's, it's not in the same way. But instead, questions are coming to the surface. What is it that secures me? What's my foundation built on? What is it that gives me hope? And that's for Christians and, and non-Christians as well. And the image when I think about this idea of come and see what God has done is that of a child beckoning their parent over or somebody that they know, family, friend. Come, come and see. I think of my two daughters, my two youngest daughters in particular, um, doing that. Daddy, daddy, come and see what I've done. Come and see what I've done. And I'm sitting there drinking my cup of tea, thinking I'm really busy. You know, but I'm sat down. Daddy, you've got to come and see. And um, and it's their excitement and their enthusiasm that you're like, oh, go on then. Yes, whatever it is. Oh, it's you've made some scrambled eggs with eggshell in. Amazing. <laughs> but it's that enthusiasm that soon gets me moving. And I, and I think that's really the purpose of our series at this Christmas time to sit there and be like, we want to look and see what God has done is absolutely incredible. In the midst of uncertainty, God's story of rescue and redemption anchors us. And so let us remember, let us refocus, let us celebrate what God's done. That's what we're celebrating because this season was always meant to be about him. And sometimes it gets lost, but it's always about him. I think that the Christmas story can be read in a number of different ways. But 
uh, Christmas time it's often caric caricatured, isn't it, into it's nice, it's cute, it's a cute story of a baby and some angels and some shepherds with a simple message of peace and goodwill. And I think that that message does an enormous disservice or disservice to, to the story, to Jesus's story, because it's so much more magnificent and all-encompassing than that. I believe that this story of God becoming human, God with flesh on, and becoming a baby speaks right into the heart of uncertain times. And Jesus coming as a baby stands as a foundation stone that keeps saying over and over again that God keeps his promises. God keeps his promises and that God wants us to know that we're part of a bigger story. That the story, the circumstance that we find ourselves in is, is linked into something so much more ginormous. And that God wants us to know that at this time of uncertainty, he is our certainty, our constant, our strong tower, as it talks about in the Psalms. Now, as we look at this subject of uncertainty, I think that we could we could say in the West, we have got a very low tolerance for uncertainty. And it has been sorely tested, particularly over the last number of years, hasn't it? Culminating in the pandemic. But in our church and community, we've got a number of people who are asylum seekers and they're part of our community. They've come from various places all around the world, war zones, and they have experienced, most of them have experienced severe persecution. They are absolutely incredible people living out their faith in the midst of incredible uncertainty. And as I've engaged with a couple of people a couple of asylum seekers in our church over the last couple of months. I've been deeply challenged by their faith. And, and it makes me picture my situation. Just imagine, or your situation, imagine what it would be like to have to leave your country and often your family to move to the other side of the world, to start in a, again in a country where you don't know anybody but you don't necessarily speak the language, you own nothing. And all you have is the clothes on your back and the faith that God has given you, that's in you. It's all that you've got. And for people like this, they are living in the midst of uncertainty, living by faith in the midst of uncertainty. Is it easy? No, no. Deeply, deeply challenging, deeply difficult. But watching their faith and watching their trust has absolutely inspired me. Because for many people, myself included, we're used to feeling in control. We're used to planning for our future. We're used to a sense of every year building on the next year. Okay, what are we going to do 2021, 2022? You, you begin to put these plans together. And granted, control is an illusion, but the feeling of control is, is securing. And, and when we feel in control, we don't have to live by faith. We can still live by faith, but we don't have to. I was speaking with a, another stream of churches recently and I had the opportunity to just, I was talking about church planting and sharing my story of, my and Jen's story of moving to Cardiff, planting the church, all that God had done. I love, I love telling our story and it's, in one sense it's not our story, it's God's story. That's why it's so beautiful. And every time I tell God's story, I'm reminded of the incredible things that he's done, the miracles. But 
with these churches, they were saying, oh, do you know what? It's, it's great hearing, hearing your story. It's really inspiring. But how do you get stories? I was like, well, I replied, well, you get stories by stepping out in faith. If there's no faith, if you're not having to lean into something to step out without it, you don't get to see God answering prayers and God answering miracles. If you're not leaning into it, there are no stories. And many of us slip in to resisting living by faith. But any sense of control that we had as a nation went out the window in March. Eight months into the pandemic, the future's still up in the air. There's so much that we don't know. We don't know how fast this vaccine, great news this week about a vaccine getting approved. We don't know how that's going to roll out, how quickly that we might get back to normal. There's some ideas. We don't know what the new normal is going to look like. Well, you know, when we get back to normal, is it going to be the same? Is it going to be completely different? We don't know how our economy is going to go. Is it going to be a U-shaped curve or a V? Are we heading into a multi-year recession or depression? Is the economy going to come roaring back once we get a vaccine? We, we don't know what the long-term effects this is going to have on our world are going to be. International travel, is that just on pause? What about globalism? We don't know about the long-term effects of social distancing. Is it going to be kind of this hybrid that we go on? The way that we work, is that going to be much more from home? Yeah, and a lot of these things yeah, we can kind of guess at, but we don't really know. We don't know what effect the, the virus and the economic fallout and not being able to gather or have on our church. Will it make us stronger and more unified than ever or not? Now, there are a lot of very smart people out there telling us how things are gonna go, and some of them are right. The, the trick is we don't know who. <laughs> and even the best experts with no agenda, and most people have some kind of an agenda, don't they? A, a news channel, they're trying to push you something. You're like, oh, okay, there's a little bit of bias in here. Even the best experts with no agenda just don't know how this is going to go. As one doctor said, it's all just educated conjecture. I think that's a nice way of putting it. But the truth is we love to be in control or at least think that we're in control because the illusion is pleasing. But what if it's okay that we're not in control? <laughs> Mind melt moment. What if it's okay if we're not in control? Because we're not. This fighting and, and grasping for control is exhausting and damaging. What if the uncertainty of life with, this, with the new coronavirus could be one of the best things that could happen to our spiritual formation? What if this shake-up of our world and society creates fertile soil for the gospel to be planted into hundreds and thousands and millions of homes? The world has been shaken and its story has been and its answers have been found wanting. But for many people, control is the issue underneath. So many of the issues that block and hamper and derail our spiritual formation into people of love and joy and peace. In, in the Christian faith, there's these three theological virtues, faith, hope and love. Theological means having to do with God and virtue means that they're not just feelings but rather something that we nurture, that we feed, that we grow and exercise as part of our apprenticeship to Jesus. That we become the kinds of people who live with faith, a deep confidence in Jesus, with hope and expectation of coming good based on the person and promises of Jesus and love, a compassionate commitment to delight in the soul of another and will their good ahead of your own. 
Control is incompatible with these three, faith, hope and love. If you take it for faith, controlling people do not live with a deep trust and steady confidence in God's goodness and involvement in their life. It's very difficult to do that and be controlling. Take hope. Controlling people are not full of hope for God's future, but rather they live in a vicious cycle of planning for their future, followed by the disappointment when these plans don't come to pass. And the disappointment is generally a sign of misplaced hope. And then finally, love. It's very difficult to be a controlling person and be loving. The danger is you dominate and manipulate and bully other people to get them to behave in the way that you think that they need to behave in order for me to feel okay, rather than love and accept and delight in people as they are and honour the dignity of their free will. Control is such a huge issue in the Christian faith as we try to apprentice to Jesus and and as we try to live like him. And we're all going to battle with this. So this isn't, oh, you know, these people really struggle with it. It's like, no, 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 no. And often as we get older, we want to control more. We go through life and we like things the way that we like things. And and there can be an age thing in there as well. But we're going to battle with this, our, our desire to secure things, to have certainty, to know what's going to happen. The Christmas story has so much to teach us about having certainty in the midst of uncertainty. And today I want to focus in on Mary and her interaction with the angel Gabriel. How do you think Mary felt when Gabriel appeared to her? There's an angel. Pretty amazing. So I'm just going to read it. Luke 1, 26 to 38 says this. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph and a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favoured, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever and his kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. So how does Mary respond to Gabriel? This huge angel turns up. And I think that Mary, at this point in a sense, and and I have to be slightly careful when I say this, is the first Christian. And it doesn't mean she was the first person who ever believed in God's mercy, wasn't accepted and loved and forgiven. No, that's not what I'm saying. There's a sense in which this is the first time in the history of the world that somebody understands how God is going to save us and understand in its fullness that Jesus Christ is right in the centre of that picture, that Jesus Christ is the fulfilment of that. She is the first one. Revelation to Mary. This moment. This is how it's going to work out. And Mary is amazing in the way that she responds. And and I think we can learn so much from her. 
verse 29 is always translated this way and it says the angel says greetings Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be it's kind of comical isn't it what kind of greeting well how many kinds of greetings do angels have <laughs> I don't know if I'm honest but I'm not sure I'm not sure it's the most helpful translation and because it uses an interesting word that basically means to account so literally it says Mary reckoned and weighed up the different possible reasons for what had happened. This huge angel comes to her. She's like, what has just happened? What on earth was that? How do I account for what's going on is a, is a, is a good way to translate it. Is this a hallucination? Is this real? Is this a dream? What's going on? And Mary doesn't just sit there and go, wow, an angel. She's saying, what's going on? I think I might have had a bit more of a reaction if I saw an angel, but but she doesn't turn her mind off in order to experience God. She doesn't turn her brain off. She thinks and she she evaluates might be the best word. So she evaluates. Mary evaluates. And then secondly, she says. This isn't going to work. I'm a virgin. I don't get this. You might have said all of these things. It doesn't. It's not going to work. You can see her point. It's like, oh, okay. Now, we're going to experience some of the same things. Maybe not an angel and carrying the savour of the world. Okay, that's in a Mary category. Let's leave that over there. But we are going to have moments in our life where we have got no idea how something's going to work out. God, what are you doing? Have you ever asked that question? God, what are you doing? You might be in that situation right now. God, where are you? You might have just lost your job and, you know, we're in the midst of a struggling economy. We've got no idea how long it's going to take to get another one. You're an entrepreneur and you've got this great idea, but you're like, how's this going to work? You're a grandparent and it's like, well, am I ever going to see my grandkids again? How's this going to work? My suggestion to you and my proposal to you is that we need to do as Mary did. She had all sorts of questions and what she's doing is she's talking. To him she's going to him she's thinking things out she's willing to admit her stubbornness she's willing to admit her doubt she's willing to admit her weaknesses and she comes to him she's wrestling she's struggling she's bringing her doubts to god sincerely honestly humbly god where are you in this how is this going to work i can't quite see it i can't see that how this is going to pan out speak to me show me I've had maybe three times in my life where I've been utterly overwhelmed by the circumstances that I've been facing. I've had more kind of little things. I'm talking about kind of big things in my life where when you're in the middle of what feels like a hole and you're like, I've got no idea. I can't see the way out of this. It feels like a crisis. And God has met me really differently on each occasion. There's not been the same. It's like, bang, a, blash, a flash of light. No, it's not. It's been... Once it was a very gentle thing, another time it was a very prophetic thing of God speaking. God breaks in differently each time. But in each one of these moments of feeling in, in a hole, in a crisis, there's been a wrestle, deep questions. And almost it feels like you hit this kind of wall. It's this inability to kind of, I, I can't work it out. I can't see my way out. You need the Lord. And, and in these moments that we have to keep pushing in, 
Because there's a danger that we want to withdraw and we just want to take ourselves out. It's like, I'm going to move away, I'm going to protect, I'm going to move away from you, God, I'm going to stop talking to you. Prayer breaks down, removal. But actually, that's the most dangerous thing that we can do, is to move over here. In this moment, we have to push in. The God, I need you, I can't fix this situation. God, you're going to have to help me change this situation. Help me think differently. Provide the resources. Forgive my mess. Or we have to push into processing with the Lord. Don't withdraw and do it by yourself. And so that's what we see Mary do coming back. How's this going to work? I can't see it. And then thirdly, she submits. She says, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you said. It's important to realise what she's saying right here. This is huge what she's saying this is a traditional culture when she says I see that if this happens to me as you say I'm going to be an unwed mother I'm going to get pregnant before I'm married I'm engaged to Joseph but I'm going to get pregnant what she's saying let it be to me may it be to me she's saying may I be disgraced if that's what you want I accept it she will be disgraced she she knew that she'd be ostracized from her family, from her friends. She also knew she'd probably lose Joseph. Joseph would probably divorce her. She didn't know that God in his grace would send an angelic messenger to him. Otherwise he would have left her and she would have always been an unmarried young single mother, which meant she would have had a really hard time economically, financially. That would have been incredibly difficult. And what she's saying, she says, May it be. And and in this moment, she's not filled with joy. That comes later. And we do see that later in the story. But in this moment, this is a deep moment. May it be to me. I see what I need to do and I give myself. We see Mary saying, I need to submit. I see you're the Lord and I'm your servant. I'm going to give you myself. I'm going to submit. I am not God and you are. I am not in control. And you are. There's like this surrender. So we go through these different stages. You, you know, we, we have the questions in the wrestling stage. And God, how's this going to work? And then, and then we hit this stage of surrender. I'm not in control. May it be to you. And in this moment, Mary starts to stand in a bigger story than her own. She starts to stand in God's story. She starts to stand on God's promises. God's story that has been there, started in creation, maybe even before creation. Mary says yes to carrying a child whose name is to be Jesus and his kingdom will never end. And Mary's sacrifice is beautiful. Just reading this story, seeing Mary's posture, her heart, may it be. Now, this is a unique call, admittedly. But God has plans and purposes for every one of us. He has a story for us to be a part of a story that he is orchestrating where he is in control and we're part of a kingdom that is so much greater than us so much bigger than us we're this part of the story an important part of the story in our own way because we get to join with God's story and at this Christ- Christmas time I think that it's important that we surrender and trust that he's in control that he's got the whole world in his hands And we need to find our story in his story. So let Mary inspire us to seek God and his kingdom. 
to practically, just in finishing, got one minute. Stay engaged with his story during this Christmas time. Stay in it, looking at it, enjoying it. Let it percolate into you. Come and see what God has done. Secondly, keep processing with the Lord. Keep bringing things to the Lord. You know, whether there's wrestles, whether there's things going on, it's like, Lord, I, gi- I bring this to you. I give this to you. And then thirdly, this idea of surrendering control. I think it's a daily thing. Start the day, just start the beginning of the day. Lord, I give you control. Come and lead. Come and be in charge. I give you the reins. And I think that this will help us to have certainty in a time of uncertainty. So let me pray just in finishing. Jesus, we need you. We absolutely need you. Life is so much better when you're in charge. And so right now, where we have grabbed hold of various things to try and, you know, it's like secure ourselves and come in. It's like, Lord, we just say, you are in control. We give you control. Well, thank you for this incredible story. Thank you for Mary. Thank you for the example that she is to us. In Jesus' name, amen.